Hi everyone and welcome back to the Gentleman's Talk. I'm going to start this podcast off with the word fuck. (laughs) Fuck is all I can say about this week. Here I am on Sunday. It's this reflection time that I absolutely thrive on. The reason I started with the word fuck is it's been a horrendous week for me. And I mean horrendous week. Um... No easy way to describe it, really. Um, I'm I'm just there. It's just been a horrible week for me. Um, it seems to be a very difficult time out there for a lot of people. I know it. I absolutely know it. I've seen it. I hear it. I really do. And I've struggled. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've struggled. Um, you know, but reflection time for me is the most important time. And I wasn't going to do this podcast, you know, because I didn't feel 110%. I didn't feel I would give it my all, but in actual fact, I've just been for a lovely walk with my dog, and no, I am going to, because I've got some good and some bad stories to share, I've got some bad thoughts, I've got some um, some some possible trigger moments, but some stuff that I've been enduring, and I'm going to um, probably, I'm, 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 I'm in an iron to whether to drop the bombshell at the moment, um, purely because I think it's affecting me massively, and I think that I've not spoken openly about this, but I want to put it into context for myself, and I think that's probably the best way to do it, but, you know, I'm going to start off with a positive, actually, before I even go into a negative, I'm going to do the old shit sandwich, as they call it, which is a a positive, negative, and a positive, that's the way I'm going to deal with this, this podcast, and anybody that knows about leadership will completely understand that that is how you deliver news, positive, negative, positive, because it's a shit sandwich, but it's encased in goodness, as they say, so I'm going to give, um, I'm going to give the positive story, because today, of all days, I was feeling, um, I was feeling really shit, it's, it's the bounce, or, or the, the, the repercussions, if you like, of, um, of the last few days, they sort of kind of, I'm in this wallow in myself, pity area, I've disengaged with everybody, I've done, I'm doing everything that I tell everybody not to do, um, I feel like I'm surrounded by selfishness, and it's made me really, really, like, I've diverted back to where I normally go when I get like this, and um, for me, it's had a bit of a positive spin, uh, but at the same time, it's also had a bit of negativity, but the positive aspect, this morning, I wasn't feeling great, and I just thought, you know what, I woke up this morning quite early, and um, I just thought, I'm going to go out for a nice long walk with the pooch, I'm going to try and just get that fresh air, that nature, that's get the goodness involved in. I put on my favourite jacket. I've had it absolutely years. It's a beautiful little Jack Wolfskin I got years and years and years ago. And um, it's it's quality, so it lasts forever. But the warmth I get from this. So I pop this jacket on. I pop my gloves on. And um, I pop my hat on because it's that time of the year. We're in November. We are getting balls deep in with the weather. The, the temperature has dropped. As you can probably, I don't know, you probably can't hear it. It's too low. But I've got the crackling fire in the background of my my man cave if you like the place where I deliver these podcasts from it's the place I work from it's the place I drink it's my man cave you know I love it I absolutely I'm I'm really invested in this place actually and um 
I went for a, I went for a walk, and uh, but before I started the walk, I um, I walked around the corner and I bumped into one of my neighbours. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a story. Um, that's going to sort of give this a little bit of context on how important it is to engage with people. And this really is, this is a little tiny message that, that comes with a, not even a hidden meaning, because I'm going to, I'm going to express it to you. I'm going to tell you the meaning. Um, excuse me. Sorry. I've just had a, a big glass of water. Um, and I walked around the corner and I'm, I've got this neighbor. He's a, he's, I think he's in his late, he's in his late seventies. And, um, I'm a bit passionate about the front of my house. I like to park outside my house. And a fair few years ago, um, I had a little bit of a running with him and I say running in, in, in the conventional sense that he parked outside my house. It pissed me off a little bit. It made me drive further away from my house. And I don't look at that as a lazy aspect. I look at that as if I have a house and I'm paying for this house, I should have the luxury of parking outside the front of the house because it's, a, it's, it's my area. Although it's not, it's owned by the council, etc., etc. blah, blah, blah. I get a bit passionate about that space. So I had a little bit of a fallout with him. Bearing in mind, he has a driveway of his own, double driveway, to put it into context, and he lives in a slightly bigger house around the corner. He parked outside my house because he had a skip in his in his driveway to do building work, and I said to him, well, I, with all due respect, mate, it, it's not my fucking problem that you've got a skip in your driveway. Don't block my house because you're blocking it for your own personal, um, you know, your, your own personal work, you know, so that sort of thing. So I'm a little bit like that. I was a little bit negative, and we are talking about six years ago, so I was a fucking bit of a dick, and I've spoke about this in plenty of podcasts, about how my attitude was very much like that, but over the last few years, I've been bumping into him, and we've been chatting, and I'd say the last six months, I noticed a little bit about him, I just noticed there was a change, he didn't look as present as he should, and um, but I made the effort, the conscious effort to talk, because I was like, I don't want to be this person anymore, I want to engage with people, I want to talk to people, and I did, and and I stopped. I spoke to him. We spoke a bit about gardening because I've been doing a bit of gardening. And he's a, he turned out as always, as they normally are. He's just a really nice old man. But we put the barriers up as men that make us seem like we're something different. We put this bravado on this this raw. Look at me. Get the fuck away from my house. This is my castle. Raw. We put on that sort of persona, don't we? And um, I took those barriers down in the hope that I would change my outlook change the way that I um, talk to people um, I'm not normally an arsehole <laughs> sometimes I can be I get that I'm a little bit difficult even my mum today as I went to see my parents uh, said I'm, I am one of these people that's very difficult to read um, and I don't know why but I like that I like being difficult to read I don't like people being able to judge my character uh, I like to keep people on their toes and, and I think that that's just I, I enjoy that it's a bit sadistic I know but I was walking this dog, and bearing in mind, we're talking, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning, the mist was there, it was it was a cold morning, I had the dog, I was wrapped up, he was outside, and he was just pottering around, and I said, oh, alright, mate, how's it going, I don't actually know his name, he knows my name, like, off part, but I'm not very good with names, um, and we had a chat, we had a conversation, and um, I was like, you know, how are you, I said, oh, you're looking a lot better recently, and he said, um, do you know what, James, I've had cancer. I've I've got cancer. I've got long cancer, and I was like, well, "What does that mean? I don't know what that means." He goes, "Well, basically, it's inevitable. I'm going to die. Um, I'm not. I've not got very long left." His wife died rec uh, not so long ago from cancer. I say not so long ago, a couple of years ago, um, and he's been on his own. And he said to me, he "said James, I've lived a. I, I think he's just like I say. I think he's early seventies. Um, he said I've had a good life. 
Um, this is exactly as he said to me this morning. I've had a good life. Uh, I've never had an illness, um, apart from your obviously common colds and stuff, but I've never broke a bone, never been ill. Um, and he said, so, you know, if this is the way that I, if this is the illness I get and it decides my fate, he said I smoked for umpteen years, you know, and bearing in mind he's in his 70s, so we are talking, he grew up in the, uh, you know, so what that have been, uh, probably 50s, um, I would have thought around because my dad's 68 and he was 54, so yeah, so he's he's obviously late 40s, early 50s. So he's been through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. I mean, the the good eras, uh, the the drugs, the the smoking. You know, he's been through it all. Asbestos, <laughs> and I say that because I'm an asbestos SME. So, um, you know, it, it, I I know a lot about it, and it was inherently massive. So he's been through all of this, um, and he looked at the positive, and I said, "Well, do you know what, mate? It's nice to see a smile on your face," and. Um, he just said, he said, yeah, he said, thank you, mate. I said, um, you know, I've been really down lately. I said, I did notice your colour had changed, but it's not the sort of thing you want to address people for. And um, we had a we had a conversation and then we, we parted ways as I carried on walking. He said, I'll enjoy your walk and your dog's amazing. And I said, no, you enjoy your day. And it was really, really nice. I, I started myself off in a shit place. Now, I was in a shit place because of uh, of other things, you know, because, um, well, I know why, and, and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll articulate a little bit of that, um, because it did come out this weekend um, quite prominently in my attitude, um, that I'm not quite there, I'm not quite 110%, and for me personally, it was very humbling to see a guy so positive, um, and his outlook to life, knowing he hasn't got long left, he's got no children, he's got nothing to leave this big house to. And by the way, I'm not trying to get into his will because that's really fucking weird before anybody says, oh, he's trying to get a bit of money. No, absolutely not at all. I'm just being a friendly guy. And um, for me, it was really humbling to see the way that he thought about life. And had a smile on his face. And from going to not talking much, and bearing in mind I'm, I'm sort of 30 years his junior, so I probably don't, I've got tattoos and, you know, beard and, you know, I'm quite loud, so there's a probably a lot of things that a 70-year-old would avoid, and he probably did avoid, um, like I said, he, you know, he's a he's a wise old man in my eyes, and, and I, I, I look at those people in a sense, I want to learn off them, and uh, very much like my dad, I, I love learning off my dad, so it's like kind of passing that stuff down to a generation, but he's got no one to pass that down to. So I've just been engaging with him. And even when I told my wife when I come back, she said, can you be his friend? I was like, what do you mean? Can I be his friend? That's, that's probably a bit weird. Can I go around and be his friend? He's like, no, I don't want to know that he's on his own and got nothing left. And for me, this is a bit of a double-edged sword, really, in the sense of positivity. Number one, there's this bloke, doesn't know me from Adam, really. And he comes up to me and he blurts out that he's not got long left on this world he blurts out that he's got cancer because he's got no one to talk to who does he talk to I never see him with anybody and he hasn't got a wife and he hasn't got children so he's got no one to talk to so for me by me engaging with him he obviously felt comfortable enough to be able to open up to me and you can see he was very upset you can see that he was trying to be positive about that and it, I'll be honest even saying it right now you know, brings a little bit of a, a sadness in my heart, to be honest, because it's not a nice place to be. And I couldn't imagine, it's weird, 
I like to be alone because I don't like people. I can't stand people. I think the world is a very, 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 very selfish place. I think that everybody looks out for themselves. They say that they want to engage and try and help on do all this positivity stuff. And I, I think we get caught up in it sometimes. I really do. And um, for me, I see that. I'm one of these person. I, unfortunately, I'm a realist. Um, I don't look at life optimistically. I don't, I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist. I know, I, I see people for what they are. I'm a very good judge of character, very good judge of character. And I'm, and I'll be honest with you, because I'm an overthinker, um, I'm normally right about people's personalities because I overthink the situation. I always think of the worst case scenario. And to engage with somebody that was willing to stop and talk to me at seven o'clock in the morning on a dark, misty morning, freezing cold, and engage with me about a secret to know that he's going to not be here for very long, I felt humbled. I felt... Um, I felt really appreciative that he was willing to open up to me. And I think also, just to add a little bit of gravitas to that, the last six or so months when I talked to him, I've been open about myself and I've gone, he's like, oh, how are you, James? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not bad, mate. I'm just going to go for a walk. I said, I'm not, I need to clear my head and I've not been 100%. And I've been opening up about myself. So I think it's helped him to be able to open up. And we had a really, he left with a smile on his face and I left with a smile on my face. And it actually set a little bit of a tone for me on my walk. I was very humbled. It put aside some of my negativity and actually went, fucking hell, James, at least you're here, at least you're healthy. You know, this this guy's got nobody, nothing. He's a bloke on his own in a big house rattling around. And he knows that the demise of his life is coming very soon. And he doesn't have a say in that. He's had um, treatment, which has given him the ability to prolong some of his life and get a few more months or, or years out of himself. But he knew, he knows, he, he knows he's, cancer is, we all know what cancer is like, one in three of us will get it, um, although if you catch it early, I know that there's a positive aspect to that, 50% of it, 50% of people will um, inherently um, be able to survive it if you catch it early enough, but we all know, on the, and again, I'm not a negative spinner, but the realism side of me says, well, most men don't look for the symptoms or ignore the symptoms, we're, we're fucking terrible for it. But it set the tone, really, for me. And I was in a, a horrible, horrible place today. And I have been the last couple of days. I've been very quiet. I've disengaged with everybody um, because I feel that everybody around me is a little bit selfish. Um, I feel a lot of the stuff... This is maybe just a personal opinion. I don't really know. But um, I do. I just draw myself back. And it's almost like I'm relying on people to help me and it doesn't happen all the time. I get that. I fully get everyone's got their own stuff going on. So I have. I've, I've, I've pulled away and gone. I've done what I shouldn't do. But I've done it also to protect myself. I've also done it to protect myself. In the sense that sometimes you do have to be selfish. And I'm being a little bit selfish right now. Because things are changing for me. And by that I mean. Because I've been in a bit of a negative place. I had a very long conversation with my family today. And for me. I'm not, I don't like this, I'm not happy in England, I don't want to be in England, I'm not comfortable in England, I don't see myself settling here, I haven't done for a number of years, it's no, um, it's no uh, secret for, for most people around me, um, but I had a conversation, and everyone's noticed I've been a bit quiet, um, and 
throughout the week I've been like that I've been very overwhelmed again with a lot of education and, and this dark weather ruins me um, it does I hate I hate the dark weather I like to see sun um, I like to see um, you know nature it's best it's finest I like all this sort of stuff and I've had my heart set on on hopefully going to Canada and for the first time today um, and yesterday, I had a conversation with my girls, and and uh, you know I've got four in the ha- in the family, and I said I'd quite comfortably move to Canada, and they all looked at me and said, if that's what you want, then you know we 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 would do it if we can, and that was really nice to hear. Whether that happens or not, I don't really know. Um, there's a lot of cogs that have got to be turned for that, um, but for me it was nice because. Will it make me happy? I really don't know. But I think it's one of those ones where I, 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 clutch, I, I clutch at straws. I grasp for things, especially when I feel very alone. And I've, it's crazy, but you can feel very alone, um, even when you're surrounded by people. Like I said, I overthink situations. I, um, I'm very a very emotional person. And I do genuinely take things to heart. I do take, I'm quite a sensitive person, really, which is unusual for a man to say that. But it really is. I am quite, an, I am quite a sensitive person. And it was sort of kind of putting me into context, context. And even by chatting to him this morning, I was like, life's too short to be fucking around. Why am I watching the weeks go by? Why am I getting to Wednesday and going, oh, fucking hell, it's hump day. Oh, nearly the weekend. Why am I wishing fucking five days of my life away every week? That's not what life's about. Life shouldn't be about wishing yourself away. But at the moment, I'm wishing my life away to get to a weekend where I'm doing fuck all. And it's like, it's just a constant barrage. And you see the shit. I haven't watched the news for months, but people try to talk to me about it. I don't fucking care. There's so much negativity out there. I don't want to fucking hear or see that. But it does. It massively affects me. And it's it's... Amazing how even though I constantly bleat on about talking out and I say talk to people, talk to people, get out there, share your feelings. At the moment it's, like I said, I feel that it's a very selfish world. And I say speak out, but it's so easy to bottle up pain. And it's a horrible thing, it's a horrible thing. And I bottle it up and then that's when you need the coping mechanisms to kick in. And that's what I've been doing. So what I've been doing is I've been managing this mental health block by going out about. And I've been going for my walks. I've been carrying on with my reflection stuff. But I I am looking at life at the moment. And I don't, sometimes I'm a little bit skeptical because at this time of the year, I know I struggle. We're getting very close to my car crash times. I was in the car tonight driving back from my parents' house from spending the afternoon there. And I was in the car and I, I, fucking went like a bat out of hell I was looking down and I was doing fucking stupid speed just to get off the road I just I hate it it's almost like you're waiting for an accident to happen and I'm doing it subconsciously which is a horrible fucking feeling but uh, you take risks and I take risks and that's the problem I do take risks I someone who's a health and safety advisor I take more risks than fucking you know most people I like to I like the adrenaline gets me through things but yeah, I it's an, it's no easy way to say this and I don't know how I'm going to react to saying it. But I went out on Friday. Um I went out with my brother and my dad for for a birthday and it didn't end up well. It didn't end well. Uh, it ended up in a bit of an argument between me and my dad. And that was because 
I was in a horrible place. I kind of knew I didn't want to go out really, if I'm honest. I didn't really want to go out because I knew I was tired. I knew I was emotional. I knew that I had a lot going on in my mind. And when you go out and you socialize with people, it never quite goes the right way if you're in that time, type, uh, that sort of type of mind. I was very sensitive. I reacted negatively towards a few things. I then went to play pool with my dad, and me and my dad are so competitive that I wanted to beat him to the point where I was like, I don't fucking care how old you are, what you're doing, I'm going to beat you. Now, I shouldn't, I didn't enjoy, I don't enjoy sports with my dad because my dad has brought me up to be competitive, and I always look at my dad as the ultimate competitor and the one I want to be. I don't care about anyone else. I do because I am competitive, but not as much as I care about beating my dad. And I don't know why I do that. It's almost like I've looked up at him for years. And I do. I've got so many fond memories of looking up to him and seeing him excel in things like his career. I've seen him excel in tug of war I've seen him excel in everything he does he gives it 110% and it's raised me to be the same way but what that does is it removes emotion and it instills competition and then when you instill competition between family members it always ends up wrong because somebody's got to get hurt somebody's got to lose and we both take great pride in beating each other he takes great pride because he sees me as the the young buck, if you like, in the family, the youngest. I'm not young anymore, but, you know, he sees me as the younger, bearing in mind he's 68 this year and I'm 41. And he sees me as the person that's like trying to challenge him all the time. And I see it as the one I go, I'm going to beat you no matter fucking what. And we played, um, we played pool and I beat him three games to two. Now, did I get satisfaction out of that? Unfortunately, I did. Because I chucked it in his face, 3-2. I didn't go, rah. And that's when I realised I was getting sensitive to things. And then we ended up having a bit of an argument. Um, and he ended up leaving. So um, I realised I was in a sensitive place. I should have acknowledged it. I should have listened to my body. I should have listened to my mind. And I shouldn't have drank. And I should have just cut it off. But I enjoy... this Again, it's, it's weird. Because I enjoy socialising with my family. Because I know I'm supported and loved. But when I'm in a sensitive place and emotions are running high, I go to fight or flight. And as I've said to many people, I'm a fighter. So I will sat there, I will, I will sit there and I will take the barrage and I will make you feel shit. And I did. I made him feel shit. Did I feel good about that? Absolutely fucking not. There was an atmosphere when I went to see him today because we didn't leave on good terms. And that's the emotional state I'm in. Now... The emotional state I'm in is because I've told you all um, that there's something gone on in my family. Um, something that's crippled me. And I mean crippled me. It, it, I've ignored the signs. I've ignored, I've buried my head in the sand for it. But my uh, eldest daughter, she's, she's 15. And, um, you know, she was sexually assaulted. fucking hell <clears throat> she was sexually assaulted by somebody and I feel like I failed as a father um, I feel like I failed the most precious thing to me in life which was my daughters I've got three daughters beautiful daughters and I had no control it was unfortunately it was a 
another 15-year-old boy that took it upon himself to do a brutal act on my daughter. And I, I wasn't there. I, 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 you can't be there all your life, but I wasn't there. And I'm dealing with that now. And it's fucking horrendous. It's absolutely fucking horrendous. I don't know how to do it. I don't, I don't know. I genuinely, this is what I talk about. These are the sideswipe things that smash you in the face. These are the things that take you out. I have to function every single day at work with a smile on my face. And then you get people that say to you around you, I'm struggling because of this, this, this. And I'm not saying that my stuff is more important than anybody else's because that'd be wrong. That'd be selfish of me. It's not. But I smile for them. I reach out for them. I, I make sure they're okay. But I lost it with my parents and my mum and sorry, my dad and my brother because they've never asked me. They've never said to me, are you okay? How the fuck are you? They've never said, do you want to go out? Should we take you out for the day? I've sat here now for the last two months since I said to you, if you cash your mind back, that something happened in my family event. And I've told people about this. And do I expect people to, to do something for me? No, but... Something that is the most heinous act that you can do to a human being has happened to my precious daughter. And for me, I don't know how to deal with that as a, as a dad. I really don't. And it sideswipes me. But I put a smile on my face every fucking day. I go to work every fucking day. I perform every fucking day. I do what I can to make people happy because I know that inside I am tearing up. I am horrendous. I'm absolutely God awful. Inside I have, inside I feel dead because of what's happened, because I feel like I failed and I'm waiting for the system to catch up and the system didn't catch up. The system didn't do what they did and things have been prolonged. And that's what hurts me. And there's nothing I can do. It's completely out of my control. But I have to sit there and smile at people every day. And people say to me, are you, you know, hey, I'm having a great time. Oh, yeah, I'm having a good time. And I try to do that. I put the mask on. And I talk about this. We put masks on. I say, speak out. Who wants to hear that? How do you, how do you tell somebody that? How do you tell them? This is what's happened to me. And I've told people. But it's almost like you're alone, even when you're surrounded by people. Again, I have got to this point in my life where I have never felt so alone. And it's almost like that's what's geared me to running away. I go, well, if I'm going to run away, I'm going to run away to somewhere where I want to be happy, where I can just nurture the little bubble, my family around me. And it was it was weird because when I was over on, on, on Friday, when I was uh, with my mum and dad, we sat down, my mum, dad and my brother and me, and we were sat down having something to eat before we went out. And my brother came in through the door and I sat there and we were talking away and, and he said, oh, I fucking hate people. And my mum stopped and went silent and she went, what have I done wrong with my boys? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, James has done nothing but say he hates people. And you've said it. You keep saying you hate people. And I go, me and my brother looked at each other and said, well, because we do. Because people are selfish. And Adrian, my brother, is very much like me. He will make people happy 
even know inside he sat. And I do that all the time. I will make people things. I will buy people gifts. I will send people love. I will send people personal messages asking them how they're getting on. I will do what I can to engage. I will do anything I can to make these lives better for people. And for me, I don't feel that's come back. It's double-edged. It's hard work. And I'm struggling. I'm not going to fucking lie. I am absolutely struggling. Friday night, um, I had the argument and uh, my brother went home and... and um, my my mum dropped me off at my house. I was meant to be staying with them, but I didn't want to because I'd obviously had an argument. I didn't want the awkwardness in the morning. Um, and I remember coming through the door at one o'clock and my mum drove off and um, I grabbed my dog and I remember walking and just going, I fucking can't do this anymore. I, I genuinely can't do this. I, 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 I'm, I'm hurting inside. I am... I am almost done. I don't want to do the rat race of life so I don't want to continuously struggle and it was even my colleague the other day my my, my wife came in and, and and I suppose I've I've you know I've, I've let the cat out the bag so to speak in why I'm struggling it's not something that I and bearing in mind I'm not saying look at me because it's not I'm not one of those people that says look at me I mean I am I like to be the center of attention in that sense but I, I've absolutely horrendously struggled because I'm dealing with my PTSD, dealing with this time of the year. I'm dealing with the ADHD and learning that. Um, I'm, I'm dealing with my family. I'm dealing with the trauma for my daughter. I'm dealing with a really shit mental health system. It's costing me financially to make sure she's looking at being looked after. She's had to drop out of college because they were putting her in situations that she didn't feel comfortable with. She went into beauty therapy and she just didn't want to deal with conducting beauty therapy such as waxing and stuff like that on on other people she didn't feel she feels very sensitive obviously she's had a brutal act uh, done with on her and I don't know how to deal with this because I'm trying to manage her she's going through these phases I've always we had a long conversation and, and she said to me why don't you acknowledge my sadness dad and I said to her I don't want you to be sad you're so, you're so, so young. You're, you're 15. You've got your whole life ahead of you. This is the most traumatic experience in the world, but I don't want you to be sad with it. I want you to, I want us to rebuild as a family and become a stronger unit. I don't want you to be sad because I know what sadness is like. I know what it's like to want to give up. I've given up almost. And I don't want her to go through that life. I know how debilitating mental health can be and it's almost like I've ignored it but what I've done is exactly what I said I wouldn't do I've bottled it up but nobody wants to hear the the news nobody's nobody's come out and said how you're getting on mate how fucking how else things have you heard anything about and do you know what it's actually the only person that's ever done that is my colleague and I'm not saying this is a negative against people around me it's not we've all got our own problems going on in life but my colleague was sat here, we were on the we were on a Zoom call and my wife came in and the police had come round and given us some positive news in the sense that we'd taken on a new case. Uh, they'd taken on a case with this new woman. She said to me, um, she goes, I'm sorry we failed you, um, but I can tell you I've got 25 years experience and I, I, I want to do everything I can to help you. And... I felt relieved and she, my wife was telling me this um, it, whilst I was in a Zoom meeting and I listened to my colleague and 
my wife went out the door and I said, oh, sorry about that, Adam. And he, and he, anyway, he knows about this because I've had to tell him because he was there the day I found out. He was on a meeting with me when my wife came in crying her eyes out and told me what had happened. And this was like nine o'clock in the morning. And, and the saddest thing is, is my, it had happened to my daughter the night before, but she went to her friend's house and stayed in her friend's house because she felt ashamed. And I said, all of these are the things that we feel, the emotions. And... I felt more saddened that she didn't have me to fall back on and I would have picked her up. Probably not a good job. I'd probably be in prison now if I'd have picked her up because I probably would have hunted him down. But he sat there and he said, he said, James, on the Friday afternoon when he'd heard, he says, how are you doing it? And I said, what do you mean? He said, how are you functioning every single day with that going on in the background? And I says, it's hard. I said, it really is hard. Um, it, I have some tough days and Friday was that day like I said I was walking with my dog and the only reason that I didn't I was in a fucking horrendous place and I'd had drink and, and drink's a really bad thing I told you to stay I tell you to stay away from that and again I didn't know who to turn to and I felt lonely again I felt weirded out I felt horrible and I f because I felt like I'd failed, I'd felt selfish. And it's been tough, it's been tough. Um, but this is life, this is what this journey's about. Why am I telling you? I'm telling you because this is what some people experience. I didn't expect this. I certainly didn't sit there on a, a Tuesday morning at 9.15am, I think it was. I didn't expect to walk in and hear that from my from my wife. I didn't expect to to be in the police station. I didn't expect my daughter to have clothes taken away for forensics and all this. I didn't expect any of this at all. I didn't know how to deal with it. And for me to function for the last two months has been incredibly difficult. And I've wanted to go to the doctor and part of me is like, go to the doctor. And then the other part of me is, well, what's the doctor going to fucking do, mate? You're on maximum antidepressants anyway, the maximum dosage. You've been through therapy. You're going to wait six to seven months before you get seen again. What do you do in a situation like this? You, you just have to focus. So I've kicked in my well-being, I've kicked in my positivity. I've looked after myself and I've done what I didn't want to do. And I've become selfish because I've gone, I don't want to hear about other people's problems at the moment. I don't need to hear about other people's problems. They may be big problems to them, but to me, in the grand scheme of things, they seem very trivial. Um, and for me, my focus is my family and, and how I can go about this. And it doesn't help that, you know, I'm on an estate, living in an estate, which is the same estate where this boy is. And it, there's a mixture. There's just a fucking world of hurt here. And it's almost like I've had enough now. I've had enough of not being recognised. I've had enough of not being um, where I want to be in my life. I, I want to be further. I want to be I want to be further on. I don't want to be washing my uh, watching. Sorry, watching my 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 week disappear. I don't want to be there on a Monday and thinking it's fucking Wednesday, oh, we're at the weekend, I don't want to do that, I, do you know, I absolutely hate saying that, I hate saying we're nearly there, because you're wishing away 80% of your fucking week, you're, you're wishing it away, if you said, oh, we're here, we're on hump day, we broke the back of it, oh yeah, we're on the final hurdle, you're wishing away 80% of your life, 
80% of your week is going every single time with that ethos, that mentality. And why am I saying this? Because I want people to know that these are things that we endure. These are things we don't experience. We don't. I didn't expect to experience this as a dad. I didn't expect to feel failure. I felt failure. I failed massively in my life. And I've picked myself up and then you get these... Tremendous curveballs that boot you in the fucking face. And it's debilitating at best. And sometimes you go, I can't do this. I've, I've really, I really can't do this. And I remember writing in my journal on, on uh, Saturday night, because I, I told you I got this journal. And I remember, um, excuse me, I drink a, a sip of drink. I remember writing in my journal on Friday that I just want to be able to go to sleep. This last two months I've led there at stupid o'clock in the morning, just wanting to hurt somebody, wanting to find out how I can get this person sorted out or how I can... And then when I stop that, I get to the empathy. I just want to rebuild my daughter. And then I see the anxiety she's got. And I see the potential mental health battles that she's going to face because I've, I've faced them, I've learned about them, I've seen them. I look at the positives because I'm learning about mental health. It gives me that positivity to engage with her. I've told her all of the good stuff in look after yourself, get the right amount of sleep, stay away from fucking alcohol. And I mean, she's 15. So but do you know what I mean? At 15, they're experimental at best with alcohol. So I've told her to stay away from that. I told her to focus and I've told we, we've closed in as a family at the moment and we really have. We've shut a lot of people away. And I think as a family, we're in, I'm in this protective bubble at the moment. And I, as you probably have heard over the podcast, if you've been listening along the journey, I'm a very protective person. I, I absolutely, um, I would, I've always said the people around me and the people I love, I would go to, I would die for them. I, and I genuinely not saying I'm a very protective person. It's my, my personality is I don't feel fear and I don't feel pain. I really don't. I've got a very high pain threshold. And if somebody hurts someone around me, but I'm in this situation where I can't do anything. So I'm almost got my hands tied behind my back. But at the same time, you're in a world of selfish people. You're in a world of people that think that they're fucking going through struggles. And they may be going through struggles. And I'm not taking that away from them because that would be selfish of me. And I've just said that. It is selfish of me. Everybody has their own problems. But I'm in this protective bubble now and I've almost closed my windows. I've closed my door. I've pulled my my girls into my into my bubble and said, don't go anywhere without me. I will take you everywhere you need to go. I will watch, support, learn from you. And that's difficult because then you're not spreading your wings. You're not enjoying life. You've become this protective person. I don't know how long this is going to go on for. We've got many other things to go through, um, you know, court cases and all this sort of stuff. Did I want to talk about it? No, I didn't really want to talk about it because part of me was trying to protect my daughter and the reality that I didn't want to acknowledge it had happened. But I have to acknowledge it's happened because it's affecting her. It's affecting us as a family. And this is the problem with mental health. I'm dealing with my own mental health battles on a daily basis, let alone getting chucked a curveball like this. And that's where we rely on people to try and step up. And do you know what? I've disengaged for a few days and nobody stepped up. And that 
for me is the reality. Well, that's the reality. And do you know what? It's um, well, actually, I tell a lie. No, not no one stepped up. I have my best friend as always has stepped up, but I suppose part of me has pulled away from my best friend a little bit because. I, I'm scared that if the reality comes that I end up going to a different country somewhere to to do what I want to do in the in my my body is wanting my, you know my body my mind is drawn to wanting to travel I'm a, I'm a I am a traveler and not I don't mean a traveler and a gypsy um, but I'm a traveling person I like to experience life you know I like to go to a country where I can experience life a little bit more nature and if it happens it's leaving all that behind and it's a sad time there's a lot of emotions at the moment but it's really important and do you know what the positive aspect and this is where I've this is the shit sandwich <laughs> this is the shit sandwich the positives and all of that is I don't know why but I feel a little bit of relief I feel a little bit of relief because I've spoken about it outwardly as in I'm hurting and that's a really important thing although I'm talking to a microphone right now with some music in the background I don't I feel like I'm talking to all of you listeners I feel like all of you are part of my journey you're part of me um, I've had a lot of um, you know support from my TikToks I've had a little bit of support from my from my podcast so it, it helps me it helps me to talk outwardly that way it's almost like I'm not looking for an emotional reaction but at the same time by talking out I'm relieving myself of that tension I've been hypertensive I've been hypersensitive about a lot of things I've probably why I'm feeling that the world is selfish at the moment because I'm hypersensitive but it's a very sensitive subject. It's not something you can just sit in the pub and have a fucking pint with and go, oh, yeah, how do you do that? It's not something you can talk about. It's not something you want to talk about. It's not something I want to even acknowledge. How do you manage that? And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I've, I've reclused myself a little bit. I've pulled in a little bit. I've maintained my well-being focus, though. I'm still eating healthy. I'm still drinking plenty of water. I'm getting out for walks. I'm still engaging. Like I said, I spoke to you about start about engaging with my neighbour. I'm still doing the positives here and there. And that's what's given me the determination to continue and not go down the spiralling route of becoming one of those horrendous statistics. It's very easy for me to take that route. Very easy. I could do, I could, I could not, I, I've got enough pain in my body right now emotionally that it wouldn't affect me. I've thought about it every day for the last two months. I've thought I don't want to be here every single day. That's not even a lie. It's every day I've battled with, I can't be fucked with life anymore. I can't be fucked with the people around me. I can't be fucked with the pain. I just can't be arsed with it. And inside I'm fucking horrendously crying. I'm, I've, I, even then, earlier when I first said it, I wanted to cry and I didn't. I suppressed that emotion. It's, in, it's ingrained in me to, to force the tears away. And there'll be people out there going, just let it go, let it go. It's not, I'm, I, that's not how I'm built. But what I have noticed is the tension's building up. My shoulders are tight, my neck's tight. I've been getting migraines every single day. I'm struggling to focus on, on small tasks. And it's very hard, it's very, very hard, very hard for me. Um, but... At the same time, by doing the right things I've been talking about, and this is the positive, this is the positive aspect, I think, for me. This is the positive. This is where I've given you that little bit of shit in the middle of the sandwich. This is where the positive comes for me in the sense that 
I'm still here because I'm focusing on the positives. I'm focusing on the future. And I think if you keep that in mind and you keep that that those gears, they might be they might be clogged up, those gears might be grinding at the moment because you're running out a bit of oil and the gears are metal on metal and, and they're really tough to turn. We need to instill a little bit more lubrication, a little bit of oil into those gears to get them turning again. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm fighting. I'm. They always say that a man that has dealt with his emotions on his own is a very dangerous man. And I, I stand by that. I genuinely believe that's true. Because I've had more conversations with myself over the last two months than I've had with anybody. And I've tried to stay determined. I've tried, to, I've tried to, to stay focused. It's easy for me. I could take the easy route. I could quit my job tomorrow. I could go down to the doctors and say, I've fucking had enough. Get me signed off. Put me on medical benefits. Do fuck all. What would that do, though? It would make me worse. Because I'd be wallowing in my self-pity. I'm staying driven. I'm staying focused. What I have done again is I've recomposed myself. I've reconfigured how I talk to people. I've become a little bit selfish because I feel I have to be. Because I feel the person who's going to get me to my next level is me. I'm going to get myself to the next level. I've done it before and I'll do it again. And that's the hard bit. I mean, emotionally, I'm a mess inside. But if you look from me from the outside, you'd think I've got it together. I've had funny videos. I've had I've put the mask on so much this last two months. I've forced myself to try and be funny. Because I don't want to be perceived as a sad person. But inside, that little nugget I've just given you there, it fucking blown me away. It's absolutely crippled me. And there's people out there that are listening that have had things that have sideswiped you. I'm not saying that you're going to experience, I hope that nobody experiences what I've experienced. I know there will be people out there that has experienced it. I know there may even be people that has been on the receiving end of this, that is listening to this podcast. And I commend you. I really do. My strength has been shown on its face value because I don't want to show my daughter that I'm weak. I want to show her that I'm going to fight for her. I'm going to make her life better. And that's the thing that is driving me. I am going to prove to her that society is a fucking shit place unless you make it your own. I'm building her up. I'm giving her the confidence that she has just had torn away from her. My duty as a father, to acknowledge that I feel like I failed, but my duty as a father is to build her back up even if it takes the last bit of my strength, if I can happily say and see that she has a smile on her face once again, I will feel a happier man. My life revolves. They are the fruit of my loins. They are, they are my daughters. They are everything to me. Absolutely everything. And I need to prove to them that I'm not weak. I need to prove to them, don't accept what life chucks at you. We will build a better future. 
And that's what I'm that's what I'm focused on. That's absolutely what I'm focused on. And that's what you should be. To give you a spin, something that may help you. If you've been through something, if you've had a punch in the gut and you're winded with life, stay focused. Fuck. Fuck the world. Fuck people. Fuck them. Stay strong. Stay focused. That is the purpose of this journey. Instill the things. It's making me mad because I'm fucking angry with life. And I'm an angry bastard sometimes. People say to me, why are you so angry? Because I'm fucking dealing with PTSD. I'm dealing with ADHD. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm in and out of depression like it's a fucking roller coaster. And I keep getting back in the fucking queue. I'm in that roller coaster of emotion. You, you. This happens when you raise children anyway. You think about my dad. I had a massive argument with him on Friday because I didn't feel like I supported him. I spoke to him today and he said, James, I don't want to acknowledge that my son's daughter's been through that, my granddaughter. And I went, don't worry about my granddaughter, your granddaughter. Don't worry about your granddaughter. That's my job to worry. Your job is to worry about me. Your job is to make me strong. My job is to make my daughter strong. You've not been doing that. We need to work on that bit. And it was the open conversation that helped me. It's the open conversation that drew us today to the conclusion that it's a tough time. He didn't want to see that. He didn't want to hear about it. He was the first person I told. And you know what he did? He fucking burst into tears. He said to me, we, I'll hold him down for you. That's what he said to me. And that's never going to happen. But that's what he said. He felt the pain. He knew the anger that I was feeling. He knew the turmoil that was coming up. He knew that the next X amount of years are going to be a roller coaster. He already knows I'm dealing with mental health problems myself. He knows I'm striving, I'm an ambitious person, and I will not fail. I do not fail. I will not accept failure. So he knows that I'm going to put myself into harm's way, and I'm going to drive myself almost to insanity to prove that I can do it. He knows that. And he has to manage that as well. He's my dad. And this is this knock-on effect of mental health. We don't experience it until it's right in front of our faces. And this is where I say, talk out, reach out, speak out. This is the importance. And sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish. Sometimes you have to draw yourself away from people who may be going through their own journey. But you have to concentrate on yourself a little bit. Speak out by all means. But sometimes you can't get involved in the little details. You can't get involved in the little minor problems of other people. When inside you are battling World War fucking 3. And at the moment Ukraine and Russia have fuck all on the battles that I'm experiencing in my head. And that is important. I have to go. It's like I'm in work tomorrow. I'm, I've had a horrendous weekend. Horrendous emotional weekend. I've been... Quiet, I've shut myself away, I've done what every man does that I say don't do, I've done exactly that. But what I have done, and what I want you to do, if you were ever experienced, if you've had that wind blow, and you've had the wind knocked out of you, 
Focus on the strong points. My positivity is I'm going to rebuild her life. I'm going to do what I can in my physical capability to make her life better and show her the strength and confidence she needs to move forward and have a good life. That is my duty. I will do my due diligence as a father to do that. And I focus on the positivity aspect from a huge negative. I engaged actually with a friend of mine. Um, his name's Zippy, uh, believe it or not. And I'm going to give him a little mention because I haven't mentioned him before. Um, but we got on really, really well. We did this um, project in Saudi Arabia together. Uh, we, we sprayed the uh, Saudi Crown Prince's um, Typhoon Eurofighter in the Saudi Crown Prince's special design. I spent 12 weeks in Saudi Arabia um, in, a, in a unique situation. I didn't know the guy before. He was, an, he was a painter. And we'd met up. He worked for a different organisation. And we absolutely hit off. He's out there. He's um, He's got, um, I can't remember what he's got. I think it's Crohn's disease. Um, so he can't eat um, dairy and things like that because it really affects his bowels. So we kept, I said to him one day, I said, you know, why are you, uh, what, you know, what happens if you eat dairy and stuff like that? Because I'll oh, basically, it really fucking eruptures. I, I have horrendous smelly farts and, uh, you know, it gives me the shits the next day. And I was like, can you eat dairy for me, please, so that I can experience what these horrendous farts are like? <laughs> Do you know what? We all said it. We all said it. So we ate dairy, right? This is the man thing. This is the man thing. And this is where I'm going to I'm gonna finish on a positive and a high. And um, this is the man aspect. He did it. And the next day, his fucking farts were horrendous. And I mean, we were in Saudi Arabia. We were in this um, uh, this little complex area, and uh, we were playing pool, and he, he dropped this bombshell of a fart. And he looked at me with a smile on his face, and he says, um, you asked for it, mate. I, I delivered. And, and it, it made me gag. It made me almost throw up. It was that horrendous. And... Um, We've, uh, I've had a roller coaster of, this was, a, this I think it was about six years ago now that I, I went out there, and um, we still kept in contact, we, only, we spent 12 weeks, but we were intense 12 weeks, so we almost like, because I, did, I didn't know him before, we'd gone in and we had to hit the ground running, we had to paint this plane, chemically strip it, paint it, so we became a very close-knit team, because we had to, we had to get on with each other, there was no... We were all, um, we were all, there was 12 of us and we we're all at the top of our game, so to speak. Uh, we were all very good painters and I am going to blow my own trumpet again, too, too. And, um, the problem we've got in a normal situation like that is if you get 12 men that are good at their job, high testosterone in a high pressure job to deliver this high-profile spray job um, that was all going to be all over the media um, for the Saudi Crown Prince on their 2020, their Vision 2040, um, their Vision 2020, sorry. And um, normally you would get that's a catalyst for disaster. You know, you don't you don't put 12 leaders in a room and expect them all to get on. They're not going to. But do you know what? There was a couple of hiccups. We had a few arg couple of little arguments. But we all said at the start, we all acknowledged that we were all good at our job. We all acknowledged that. But we all said at the start, can we all put the writing on the wall? Let's not argue. If you've got a suggestion, let's make a suggestion. If you're better at something, say you're better and we'll let you crack on. Don't. There's no egos here. And I think that because we did that, we actually learned a lot about leadership in terms of allowing people to excel and acknowledging what they're good at. 
So we all said, what are you good at? Well, I'm good at spraying. So there was like four or five of us that were really good at spraying. There was others that were good at managing. There was others that were good at paperwork. There was others that were good at like the design or sticking on the uh, sticking on the design on the on the jet. So and because we established that, we split our groups down. So we had two different groups, and we cracked on, and we we succeeded with one of the most spectacular um, paint jobs I've ever done. And I've done a few, but for me, it was the whole thing in, in terms of the, you know, 12 leaders in a room doing a really good job. And we hit it off. We had a really good time. He likes to be the center of attention. I like to be the center of attention. We were on the same team. So we had a couple of times where I did, I did sort of nip at him a little bit and, uh, you know, sort of challenge him a little bit. And he did the same to me, but we always managed to come away from it unscathed and having a good time. And he texted me the other day and said, James, I've started listening to your podcast again. He said, I've just recently been diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. And bearing in mind, he, I think he's uh, 50, I think. Uh, I'm sure he's a lot older than me. Uh, four, no, 40-something, I think he is. So he'd probably kill me if he's listening to this. Um, but he's listened to them. And, and, and I said, oh, fantastic. And he's just recently lost his mum. And, you know, massive condolences for him for that. But... He opened up to me and he said this and we were talking. And I said, mate, I'm here for you any time. And we, we opened up and we've, we've, we've chatted. And I did the same. Like I said, I've spoke to a few of my friends um, over the last couple of months. And we've re-engaged and we've been promoting with a bit of positivity. I've had a, an amazing message from uh, my friend who I sold the motorbike to. Um, and he sent me a motorbike. He sent me a couple of photos yesterday from NEC Birmingham. There was a big bike show in November. I normally go to it, but I haven't been for a couple of years. And uh, he said to me, I'm at this NEC bike show. And I was, he sent me some photos of his dad on the bike and all this and this bike he wanted. And I said, excuse me. I said, we're going to have to absolutely go next year. And we were like, he, he said to me, 100%, mate. But first, I'm coming down to see you to have a, a night stop and a, a beer in the Clock and Balls, my famous Clock and Balls, which is my little bar. And um, he said, I want a photo with the landlord in the Clock and Balls. And um, I want to come down and see you first. But yes, we will absolutely lock it in. And it's crazy. You find friendships in the weirdest, weirdest of places. Um, and he messaged me. Um, he messaged me randomly. Um, Luke does normally like on a random sort of Tuesday. I'll just get a message saying, how are you, buddy? I hope you're OK. Nothing else just check in and it's a really sweet thing to do it's a really nice thing to do and it does perk me up and that happens with with zippy as well he did the same he, he i get it a lot from um all of my well most of my friends do the same but it's a really important thing to do because sometimes that creeps up at the at the time when you least expect it but it offers you the most positivity and with Zippy, I say I learned about his mum and i was you know really sad that i didn't know about it at the time um you know but we had a good engagement and I said to him, look, man, I'm going to have to absolutely have to give you a call. He's up in he's up in Manchester, so he's, he's a fair way away from me. But I said to him, mate, if you can put me up, I'm coming up because uh, it's amazing. So you, they always say if you've ha if you've had a friendship longer than seven years, um, it's a friendship for life. And I stand by that because the people that I've been friends with for for seven years, um, bearing in mind that's probably very limited to about one because <laughs> I don't really hold friends that long, um, normally because I'm a pain in the ass, uh, not literally, figuratively speaking. Um, so but I've got one person, I'd say, you, know, you know him very well. I've spoke about him a lot, but Zippy is one of those. I think it's coming up to that seven year point and we're still talking. We still uh, send each other funny videos. Um, we still engage and 
it's a really nice thing to do, even though it's not obvious, not often. It's enough to perk me up. Um, he doesn't know about what I spoke about today, but um, again, he's had his own little problems to worry about. But it's interesting how we how we talk about that, and it's the positivity aspect I think with that, that that's really important. I think it's absolutely fundamental. And I, he said to me, James, I do a lot of what you say. I I now get out. He, he's a big runner anyway. He likes running. He's uh, he split up with his uh, wife. We spoke about this six years ago, and he's actually split up, and he's got an, a new wife now, fiance, and. Um, I've never seen him so happy. I've never seen him. I know we spoke about this years and years ago. He said he wasn't 100% happy in his relationship. And he waited for the right time. And, you know, it came to the crux of it. And, you know, he's now got himself a fiancé. Um, and I've seen never seen him so happy. Because he's taken the steps to be happy. And he listened to my podcast and he was like, yeah, you know what, James, I do. And by listening to your podcast, I've reached out to you. And he said... I know you're a sensitive person. He said, I know you like being the centre of attention, but I also know that you are quite an emotional person. And I am. I'm not a horrible person at all. I've said that many times. But I'm just a very protective, emotional person. And to deal with those emotions are quite hard sometimes. They do overwhelm you a little bit. But it's important. And the thing I'll leave you with here um, is, no matter what life throws at you, make sure that you do what is right for your life, what is right for you. What is right for you? Share. Share a problem. Speak out and reach out. That's a really good thing. I love that word. Speak Those words, speak out and reach out. And they do. Like I said, I've engaged with my neighbour. And for him to open up, for a 70-odd-year-old for bloke to, to, to open up about something so deep as having cancer and not having long left with somebody he rarely know, barely knows... I feel really humbled, and I think that's because, you know, and I, and I came back in and spoke to my wife, and she said it's probably because you've engaged with him, you've opened up about yourself, so he feels he can do the same, and you've, and it is, I'm very much like that, this is why this whole journey, I mean, Christ, how many times have you listened to me on these podcasts and and gone, you know, I'm telling you about my life, why am I telling you about my life? For me? I'm a bit selfish like that. I like to tell you about my life. I like to tell you what I go through. Um, I like to say to people, doesn't matter what life throws at you, if you if you instill the right coping mechanisms and the right people around you, it will help you go through life with a smile. We get one chance at life. You don't get two. You can't respawn. It's not a fucking game. Once your time's done, your time's done. You might be one of these fortunate ones that gets to 100 years old. You might be one of these ones that are unfortunate and doesn't get to 100 year old. So you need to make most of every single day. And you will get sideswiped. I have been winded dramatically. But I'm trying to stay positive. It's very, very easy for me to say I've had enough. I, like I said, I wrote in my diary that I just want to go to sleep. That was, I think I started talking about Sorry, I didn't quite finish that bit. But I wrote in my diary, my journal, that I just want the pain to go away. I don't know how the pain can go away. All I can do is concentrate on the positivity of my family. The only thing I can do is make sure that my daughter is happy. That will make me happy. The rest of it can fuck off. And that's why I started this podcast with the word fuck off. Because the rest of life can fuck off. I'm very angry and bitter at the moment. Which is why I've pulled away a little bit i'm still keeping up with the coping mechanisms it's okay to not be okay it really is 
And I think for me, I'm not okay at the moment. And I'm happy with that. I'm accepting that. And I'm moving forward. But what I don't want to do, and one of the things that's drawn me in this weekend, really, really importantly, is I don't want to just go through life. I don't want to... I don't want to give up 80% of my week being unhappy. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go, we're on hump day. I don't want to go, Monday I'm sad. Or I don't want to go, it's Friday, I want a gin for the weekend. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to just go and enjoy life and do the things I want to do. And I think that that is the importance. That's the bit that I've, it's really made me focus at the moment on what the fuck I'm going to do next. I don't know. I need to get strength up at the moment. My strength is focused on my family, making them feel they're supported. And I will do what I have to do as a father and a husband. And I will make their life better. Is it the demise of my own mental health? Quite possibly. But they're important to me. And when I see them happy, that will make me happy. And... Sometimes you have to redirect your happiness. Sometimes you have to stop engaging with certain people to redirect your happiness to the right people and focus all of your attention on those. Instead of spreading it, sometimes you have to focus on that that, that goal with the right people. And everything else will wait. And if they're worth waiting for, they'll be there. If they're not, it's a chapter in the book. And on that note, I'm going to leave you... Um, with that sentiment today um i hope it's not been too bad this i know it's probably a kick in the fucking balls i don't want this to be depressing but life can be depressing sometimes um and at the moment like i said i'm hurting and i'm trying to focus on the well-being the positivity i'm trying to focus on making things right and that's my focus at the moment there's a lot of focus here focus is pissing out everywhere Sometimes these podcasts are going to be a bit deep because it's mental health. They're not going to be always perfect. But I want you to acknowledge that with the right coping mechanisms, we can get through these tough times. If I'm still here talking to you and I'm still focusing on my job every single day, high pressure job, I'm still going to work every single fucking day. I've not had one day off since the news because I refuse to. I'm just focusing on looking strong for my girls. So thank you for listening. I look forward to my next... I've got some really... I've, I've been writing notes, actually. So I've got this little notes thing. I've got a journal. Um, and, and I've got these notes that I write down on things and topics I want to talk about. Things that hit me, like vitamins. I've got engaging is the key to success. Um, all these little things I'm going to talk about. So the next one will be more... I needed, I needed this podcast today. I needed to talk. Um, because... Friday when I was angry, bitter, I was taken out on the people I love and I, and I can't do that because it's so easy with mental health to cripple people. I, I absolutely remember the, the argument that I had with my dad was horrendous. It was it was awful. A drink fueled argument. No violence, just it was uncalled for. And uh, we both took it because we're both competitive and, it, and it, there was some words that were said that leave scars. Um, and <laughs> You know, my mum said something to me today that I'm going to leave you with, actually. I'll leave you with this one. And she said there was a father and a son. And I'm going to turn the music down for this because I think this is a really important message. Um, there's a father and a son. 
and the son was, you may have heard this, the son was always angry, really, really angry. He walked around life angry. He said hurtful things. He always lashed out. Now, um, I said to my mum at the time, I said, oh, is my dad is has my dad written that about me and we and we had a little chuckle and the dad said to his son every time you feel angry go and hit a nail in the in the fence and he carried on doing that so his son every time he got angry went and hit a nail in the fence and his dad kept checking on him every day and he could see these a barrage of nails and then after about a month he could see that the nails were getting less and his dad said to his son I notice you're putting less nails in. And he said, oh, yeah, Dad, I'm, I'm absolutely gripping my mental health. I'm, I'm not being as angry. I'm focusing on uh, my well-being. I'm getting out amongst nature. I'm doing all the, you know, meditation. I'm doing all the good things I talk about. So I'm not hitting as many nails in the, in, in the uh, fence. And the dad turned around and said, that's fantastic news, son. That's brilliant news. I'm so happy that you've managed to control your anger. You've managed to stop lashing out and saying hurtful things. Now he said, son, just as an exercise, I want you to go and take all the nails out the fence that you've hit in so we can repurpose them and, 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 uh, and take them out the fence. So his son went out and he took all the nails out the fence. And then his dad walked over and he went to his dad and said, I've taken all the nails out. And his dad went, brilliant. OK, so let's go and have a look. So he went and had a look and there was a pile of nails and he said, right, son, you, excellent. You've taken all the nails out the fence. What's left behind? And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, look at the fence. Look at all those thousands of holes that you've left in the fence. And he said, what I've done here is every time you were angry and you lashed out, you put a nail in the fence. Well, that is what you've done to me. You've lashed out to me or to people and you've said hurtful things. You've taken the nail out but you've left a scar behind, you've left a hole. There's a hole in the fence. That's relative to life. Every time you say something that's negative, every time you lash out, you're angry, you leave a scar somewhere. You hurt somebody. You make them feel awful. And that couldn't be more prevalent with my life. I've said hurtful things. You may be listening to this going, I've said hurtful things. I've spoken out. I've lashed out. I've hurt people. And then you see them the next day and they've got a smile on their face or you say sorry and you think everything's okay. But you leave a scar. You leave a negative emotional memory on that, on that event. And that's very much the focus on those holes. They're scars in life that we leave. So it's okay. You've removed... You've said sorry. You've removed the nail. You've said sorry. But you've left a scar. So just remember that. The next time that you're lashing out, next time you're angry, the next time that you shout at somebody or say hurtful words, just remember you're going to leave a scar. And that scar will never go. It will be with them forever. So just remember that next time you're angry. Thanks for listening. And like I said, next time we'll have some good stuff to talk about. And I look forward to talking to you. So take care and please, please manage your mental health, manage your well-being and enjoy life.